Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. I am your co-host, Jason Snell, and sitting across an actual table from me is my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hello. Hey, Jason. We're in the same room together. We are. We are in uh, Portland, Oregon. Not in space. Not in space. Unfortunately. In space, no one can hear you record. (laughs) I don't think that's true, but okay. (laughs) So we're at a conference together, and we thought we would do episode three. uh, We needed to do it, in fact. It's true. So we're at a a table. There's a fake plant here. I just just noticed it's fake. Is it fake? Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, you can't can't eat that on Space Station. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Uh, So we're here, and we're going to do episode three. All right, let's do it. We have a little bit of follow-up before we get started. Uh, Chip and Chad, um, among other listeners, recommended uh, Gene Krantz's book, Failure is Not an Option. We spoke about some space books, uh, and it came up, and I have it waiting for me on my Kindle when I get some time. Have you read it? I think I have. I I went through a period where I I read a lot of space books, and uh, a lot of moon books, a lot of Apollo books, Mm -hmm. and... I think I have read this one. It's good. I mean, Gene Krantz, probably, you may know him as Ed Harris in Apollo 13. Um, but <laughs> he's, a, really, he's a legend. Really interesting, uh, yeah, really interesting guy who was there and got to witness and participate in uh, in history. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the some of the missions he ever saw are just, uh, it's the history books. I mean, he, he is there when you open mm-hmm. the, the pages of your NASA history book. I don't, I don't think there's a NASA history book. We could write one. It's gonna, we'll Kickstarter it. <clears throat> That's foreshadowing. Uh, a couple people sent in this, this cool website. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, firstmenonthemoon.com. And I don't know if you got a chance to play with this, but basically you, in real time, experience the first landing on the moon. So I actually put this on my TV and watched it with my kids. So you have, on one side, you have the uh, transcript of the ground communication loop, and the other side, you have... Um, the guys on the moon and talking to men on earth that loop hmm. i don't know what that loop is called the space loop capcom yes is it capcom sure it might be capcom um and it's in real time so it's really cool it's it's kind of tense even though you know how it ended because <laughs> it was a long time ago um you can feel the tension in the room and it's it's a really cool website you should check it out uh like i said i put it on our tv and it was a lot of fun to see it big and to listen to it which was uh, pretty cool. So, uh, you want to talk about this next one? Oh yeah, Matt, uh, our friend uh, listener Matt, sent in a, a an if this then that recipe. It's fun to say if. Um, and basically, it sends you a notification to your phone when somebody goes into space. It's it's kind of adorable. You get a little thing that pops up and says these people just entered space. Um, and so if you want to get a notification. That an astronaut entered space, uh, you sign up for it and point it at your phone, and then you get a notification. Get a that little says, message. Hey, there are people in space now that, who weren't there before. Yeah, I. Um, it's fun. I played with it a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't think I went all the way through setting it up, but um, I may. I already get text messages for when the uh, space station is going to be overhead, mm, yeah. which is uh, a lot of fun. The part of the country I live in, it's actually on a fairly regular basis. Um, so it's. Um, Always fun to run out and, and catch that. So is that an app or, a, or an if this, then that? Uh, the station one I use is actually from NASA. You just give them, uh, you plug their phone number into their website, and then they text you. Oh. So I like nice. to think that it's, it's, it's 
someone on the space station texting me directly, but it's, I don't think it is. <laughs> it probably not. It's, I, I it's get, a robot. I think I get the emails, the uh, yeah. watch the station yeah. emails. Yeah, yeah, it's the same service, I think. Okay. So. Um, uh, finally, we have we have some uh, feedback from Dr. Drang. If you're not familiar with Dr. Drang, he's oh. um, he is a, uh, a tour de force in a certain part of the <laughs> the other industries that we that we exist in. Um, and he he wrote about the uh, the moon and the tides. We spoke a little bit about last time, and uh, it's a, it's a and, great article. And the most important thing is that he recommended this podcast, which I realize you're listening to this podcast and therefore don't need it recommended to you. But thank you to Doctor Drang for saying nice things about it. He is our favorite internet snowman with a pseudonym. It's true. And, you know, he's an engineer, so he ended up spending a lot of time with uh, math and, and stuff talking about the tides. And there's some neat animations that actually make sense about why the tides work the way they do um, and how it's more complicated than you might expect because, um, you know, gravity isn't sort of like acting at the, with the same force at every point. It's right. spread out and increases or decreases exponentially. And so... Um, having the moon and the earth interact is actually much more complicated than, than you might think. Yep, but everything can be explained in a GIF, ultimately. Yes. And so there are a couple of GIFs. And a Blondie video. Yeah. Which I recommend. Uh, Dr. Drang is always good for some uh, uh, cultural touchstones mm-hmm. alongside his complicated math. Yes. That's, math. that's his whole bit. Math and music videos, mm-hmm. really, together. Um, if you want to find these links and the links we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show, uh, you can check them out in your podcast app of choice yes. or on our website, relay.fm slash liftoff slash three. Trace. Yeah, that's good. Don't put in trace, though. Put in no, just the digit three. You'll get the 404 page. Yeah. Which is adorable, but not what you want. What happens when it's episode 404? Um, the website could explode. Okay. Good. <laughs> we don't want that. No, that'd be bad news for me, because that's my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so so this week uh, is sort of a, a grab bag of some news that's gone on the last uh, several weeks, and uh, the first piece of news we want to talk about was a Kickstarter project uh, to reprint the 1975 NASA Graphics Standards module. So uh, a little bit of a history lesson before we dive into this. You know, right now, the NASA logo is a blue field with this red... Uh, graphic on top of it and it's called the meatball and it's not a very good logo in my opinion jason you and i disagree on this i think Um, we might it it is the classic the meatball is the classic nasa logo that you might know from the moon landing and things like that right and then in the 70s they updated the nasa look to be more um 70s 70s yeah and then they went back then they said oh no we've all sobered up yeah and the meatball so they brought the meatball back and i i don't know if i like that the fact that the meatball is back because it does feel like a step backward i it feels more retro than i i think they might have been better off with a new logo right and instead they were like uh it's like the appeal to the glory days right yeah uh so i don't you know i am not a fan of the of the worm logo the nasa logo It, it, it is so disco uh, although it is the NASA logo that I grew up with, sure. Um, I, I love the classic meatball because it is the classic. But I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm in favor of them bringing it back. Um, they could have done something new and interesting, maybe. Yeah. So this this Kickstarter project is really interesting. Uh, in 1975, and there you've, there's a revised version in 1976. This entire uh, really brand standard of how to use the worm logo and. As someone who's interested in design, who's done some design in the past, I find like brand identity stuff just fascinating. Yeah. These are all the ways you use it from like 
a dude in a jumpsuit with a little logo on his chest to the side of a van to the side of a spacecraft, like all these applications. And so um, Jesse Reed and uh, uh, Hamish Smith set up a Kickstarter project to basically reprint this thing in like a bound book. And as of our recording, they've raised $720,000 to do this. I backed it. Uh, Jason did not. Nope. <laughs> um, but there's been a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but there's been a little bit of dust in the air around this Kickstarter. Um, so they announced this a couple of weeks ago. There's 22 days to go as we record this. Uh, so it's been up for like a week and a half maybe. And kind of a couple of things have happened. So, so one, NASA itself has uh, very recently, the last couple of days, republished the, the actual PDF. Now you could find the PDF on uh, like the internet archives, mm-hmm. but NASA said, oh, well, no, we have it. It's a little bit better quality. Um, and they've kind of been tweeting about it, both NASA and the NASA History Twitter accounts have been talking about it. And it feels very much like in response to this, that because this is in the news and people are doing it, they're like, oh, yeah, we have it, and you can just download it. I don't know if they're necessarily upset about it, but it's just interesting to me. Yeah, it is funny that, that uh, it, surely it is not a coincidence that the 1976 NASA style guide is suddenly being talked about, right? I mean, the fact that NASA is tweeting about it is uh you know is a response to this and it's a public you know it's a public document although there wasn't there a kerfuffle about something about uh that somebody else was trying to get it republished and that this kickstarter kind of jumped jumped the gun on what they were trying to do yeah there there's some comments in the kickstarter on the kickstarter page of apparently some other people wanted to do this and were waiting like official according to the comments waiting for official approval and they imply that these guys don't have that. And so it just seems like a little tension between people who had similar ideas. And, and the Kickstarter's still up, right? Like if NASA wanted to shut this down, they could shut it down. And they haven't. Right. Um, and my guess is at this point, it's been several days since NASA released the PDF. My guess is they're not going to interfere. Um, but as someone who backed it, I was kind of really curious. About like, is, it, is the agency going to come in and stop this due to copyright or trademark or just them not wanting to do it or... Is the, you know they're gonna let it go, and I think as a government agency, I'm pretty sure that this has got to be a, a public document that is able to be distributed, perhaps not for profit, but um, is able to be publicly distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny they're uh, they're um, yeah. I mean the, the the post says that using their logos and branding is is not uh, something that is in the public domain, and you know you can't just ma- make a NASA sandwich shop or something like that, right? Yeah. Because they, although that's a really great idea, and I'm trademarking it immediately. Um, assuming NASA tried, just go ahead. Um, but uh, you know, so there's there's this question about it. I, I don't know. I, I, it's a cool. It's a this to me seems like a perfect kind of Kickstarter, which is somebody wants to take care with these old documents to scan in. I guess they're going to scan in somebody's copy from their binder. They're going to clean them up, and then they're going to do a nice, you know, a nice printed mm-hmm. project to, yeah, you know. And I I don't have a problem with that. I think that seems seems reasonable. Uh, but you got to know what you're what you're paying for. I mean, what you're paying for is the is the care that the, these people are putting into making this replica for you, um, not necessarily you know that this material is otherwise unavailable. Right, and and I, I kind of think that sort of line of thinking is behind NASA talking about it. Is mm-hmm. hey, you know, this is available. You don't have to pay these guys. You can just download this PDF and um, and explore it on your own. You know, I'll. 
I wanted it because I wanted like this nice finished book to have. But people who are more casually interested in it, I think it's great that they can do it without pitching in, you know, the however much money it was. Yeah, I, I would love, I would honestly love to see, and maybe maybe our listeners will know and they can tell us, I would love to see a book that's a coffee table style book about NASA design or, or uh, space design in general, mm-hmm. but not, not a manual. I mean, I would love to see... Uh, pictures and yeah. you know how how are these how are these logos used on uh, uniforms mm-hmm. and on spacecraft and on training airplanes and right. things like that that would be a really cool book of space stuff that um and, and that would collide the you know design world with the uh, with the, the the aerospace world i think that would be fascinating yeah um well there's there's so this emblems of exploration which is a a uh, pretty big PDF, um, also released, uh, the, this was released on September 9th, has some of that, where it's obviously not a coffee table book, but it... Um, I'll Kickstarter it. There you go. Uh, it has some history of of NASA and uh, NACA, which is before mm-hmm. before NASA. I don't know if you said that with a C, a soft C or hard C. I'm just, I'm embracing the way I said it until people email me differently. Um it's pronounced Yuspa. <laughs> so that's a deep cut Star Trek reference. I'm sure Dr. Dran got it. But, um, <laughs> uh, and it's got some of it like on the side of buildings and like it's etched, like on the page I'm on right now, it's like etched in stone above a brick doorway. Mm. Like, um, but yeah, that sort of practical application I think is, is just as, if not more interesting than a like, how does it work in a lab with a bunch of designers? Like, how do you affix it to the side of something that is going to get rocketed into space? Right. And it's, I mean, it, on one level it's silly, but on another level it's really important. These things, that NASA meatball is an indelible part of the story of the moon landings mm-hmm. to me. And the NASA worm logo, it just says space shuttle to me. Right. I mean, that's really, that's really what uh, its major application was. Mm-hmm. And then, then they changed it out. They, they went back and replaced it with the meatball when they, <sighs> when they went back to it. So I've got photos of shuttles with, you know... Various NASA logos on them as they, mm-hmm. as they well there, there was a there's a picture I think on that Kickstarter page of a, a NASA astronaut with both logos on their jumpsuit. Yeah, <laughs> we can't decide. Have a it was like by one. I guess, one, I guess the, the the meatball was also related to the seal of NASA, which was not the same as the logo. Right. So that's that's some you could probably do a whole documentary and maybe somebody has about uh, just the history of the NASA brand identity. And, yeah. you know, if nobody else does it, maybe we'll do something about it again sometime. Yeah. that would be kind of wacky. That'd be, that'd be fun to dive into. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so go, go check those links out. Like I said, um, it's I, I find that sort of interesting because it, um, like you said, it becomes part of the history, right? Like you see that logo and you you have the, you know, it reminds you of the feelings you had when you saw that mm-hmm. on television. And that's that's powerful stuff, right? I mean, it's it's... That worm logo cool. is like the testing of the space shuttle Enterprise yeah. out in the desert, where they had like the cast of Star Trek come yeah. out. It's a very weird. We should talk about that at some point. It's a weird little mm. chapter. And <laughs> oh, that would be a good one to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I keep thinking that if they hadn't done the fan campaign to call the test orbiter Enterprise, they might have gotten a real one. <laughs> yeah, and instead they got the one that didn't go into space. Yeah, it's Dang a. It. It's a, we're just gonna drop it out of a plane <laughs> and see if it crashes into the desert floor. Yeah. It didn't, yay. No, it landed. It was uh, it's yep. a lot of fun. Um, maybe we should take a break and uh, talk about our sponsor this week, Jason. I think that's a great idea. So our sponsor this week is Luminos, the amazing space simulator for iPad, iPhone, Apple Watch, 
And it really has something for every type of astronomy enthusiast. Some people are interested in the motion of the planet. Some people are interested in comets. All that stuff is built into this app. You can not only hold up your device to identify your favorite sky objects, but with a single tap, you can launch through space to visit them firsthand. Luminos recreates the solar system accurately in 3D, right in the palm of your hand on your device. Any astronomy feature you might want is included. Detailed planet and moon maps, tens of thousands of asteroids and comets, millions of stars, and the largest deep space image catalog on mobile. It's got wireless telescope control and more. You can even live view this... You can even live view sky charts on your Apple Watch. Luminos is the flagship app from Wobbleworks, a family business. Mm. John and Brian have more than 50 years of hardware and software experience between them, from small startups to large enterprises like Apple, Microsoft, and Oracle. Some companies you may have heard, may yeah. have heard of. It's a little uh, up, upstarts. <laughs> up, up and coming. Luminos has been in development for more than a decade and has been on the App Store for almost five years. One price, no paid upgrades, no in-app purchase. Just clean and simple. They're in their fifth year of providing free feature updates. And September is a big month for eclipses, Jason. It's eclipse month. Is it? It is. And Luminos has 5,000 years. 5,000 years? That's longer than I can think of. Can you, can you name 5,000 years of eclipses? I can't. I, can, I didn't even know they were happening See, Lumin- month. Luminos can tell you, Jason. It's got 5,000 years of solar and lunar eclipses built right into the app. With a few taps, you can jump back in time and see peak eclipses or fly in for the best viewing locations on Earth. So if it's not visible where you are, you can you can see how it would look if you were somewhere else. And if the weather or schedule doesn't work out, you can recreate any eclipse on your device whenever it suits you best. So go check them out. Luminos, you can find them on the uh, iOS App Store. And uh, thank you very much for Wobberworks for supporting this episode of Liftoff and all of Relay FM. So September is eclipse month, is what you're saying. I am. I'm looking, yeah, there was a partial um, solar eclipse that's happening that if you're in South Africa, you'll get to see it. Or if you are, if we, if the mighty Relay FM is reaching Antarctica, you will see it there. Um, and then there's a, a lunar eclipse, too. Total lunar eclipse. Do you just want to go to Antarctica? We're already in Portland. How far, how I would much further love, could it be? You know, I would love to go to Antarctica sometime. That's on my That's on my list really? of things that I would love to do sometime. It seems like there's a lot of training involved for that. I don't think you can do it casually. No. Oh, well, you can. There, there, There is a way to do it, but it's like a cruise ship that lets you like step out onto an island. Yeah, it doesn't and count. It's not quite the same. You want to be like, like in a base. The, you want to be in a base. I do. Like, I run want to be a base generators. under siege with monsters out. Wait a second. No. Uh, but yeah, sure. A, a base of some kind. Like uh, I want to be in McMurdo or, or something like that. The uh, lunar eclipse is going to be visible for you because it's a, the east coast of the U.S. will get the whole thing. On the west coast, it will be... Um, We'll only get to see like the back half of it. Gotcha. So I should get a pretty good view of that. Where I you am. should, you should. Um, uh, in fact, that should be a that should be not too late for you. Which is my my problem with lunar eclipses is I'm always waking my kids up at like three in the morning to say, yeah. "Come look at the blood moon." <laughs> yeah, and they just don't want to wake up, uh, and my wife often doesn't want to wake up, so it ends up being me standing in the backyard freezing my butt off <laughs> with my camera on a tripod trying to take yeah. some eclipse pictures. I couldn't picture that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I, I've I've had some I've gotten some really great eclipse pictures. It's something that you can do if you've got a long lens and a and a digital camera, you can take some pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, moon pictures in general and eclipse pictures in particular um just you know you just need a tripod and a timer or mm-hmm. a, or, or a remote. remote or something yeah mm-hmm. that's cool it's um eclipse is one of those things where you don't as long as you know when it is you can go outside and see it right it's yeah. sort of a a low 
There's a low barrier to entry. Yeah, to, it's like watching the space station pass overhead, except less often. Right. <laughs> and it takes longer. It does take longer. But it, but it is. You just have to show up. And yeah. that's the beauty of it is, is there's going to be a total eclipse in North America in like two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And it actually is in the totality path is goes right over uh, where we are right now. It goes right over over northern Oregon hmm. and uh, northern and central Oregon. And so um, I don't know if my family knows this yet, but we are absolutely driving to Oregon and watching the total eclipse. And it'll probably rain on us and we won't get, us, it d- get to see it. It does that in Oregon. It does that a lot here, but uh, not now. Um, but if if, uh, if we're lucky, that's that's exciting because I've never seen a, I've never be, seen a total really eclipse. Cool. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. Solar eclipse anyway, yeah. Um, so Boeing... Uh, well, yes, this we is have a, a comment about we, Boeing. We have, we have a topic and a correction. Okay, and I, this is going to become a trend. I, I, you know, we've said we're not we're not space uh, scientists, we're not astronauts, we're not engineers, and we know that there are people who listen to this podcast who, who know, very much are who who. It's strangely, space is a topic where uh, people tend to have lots of information, and uh, if you make mistakes, they will let you know, and that's fine because yeah. we're going to make mistakes, and we appreciate you letting us know. So, I totally conflated. The uh, Orion project with with the Orion, the new Orion capsule, which Lockheed Martin is building with NASA, mm-hmm. with the Boeing commercial crew capsule, right? Uh, and they're not the same thing. Yeah, I caught that in the edit, but it was too late. I was yeah, like, it was, "Oh, it's yeah. out the door, and we'll fix it later." Yeah, we'll um, just apologize for it later. Yeah, well, to be fair, they, they're very similar crafts. They look. <laughs> I'm going to pre-record some stuff and send it to you, which is just me saying what I just said is wrong. <laughs> I can I'll, just drop it in. I'll explain later. Yeah. And you just drop those in whenever you hear me say something wrong. Like a little footnote. Can you do, I don't think you do footnote, footnotes in podcasts. Well, you can. That's how you do it. A little so ding would ding, come on ding. and say, Jason, uh, this is Jason. What I just said is a mistake. I apologize. Uh, disregard. So uh, anyway, to, we did, we did conf- or I did. I'm not going to drag you in on this. I, I actually saw the... <laughs> Boeing gate. <laughs> I, I saw the, the Lockheed Martin capsule i think or maybe it was a version of the boeing capsule but when i was at, at kennedy space center for mm-hmm. the that shuttle launch they had uh, in addition to visiting spacex and seeing what they were doing they were it was weird i mean it wasn't there for us it was like almost like a junket kind of thing it felt like a tech industry thing yeah where, where it's like there's a lot of money in aerospace and there and they had a whole like tent next to the press center and they were like ushering members of the media over to say come yeah. look at our capsule step into my tent and watch yeah. my capsule that was actually kind of weird but um so i saw the boeing i'm gonna say capsule um and then i i kind of like got it conflated with the orion yeah. capsule that is not part of commercial crew that the lockheed martin has a contract to build that with nasa so they're they're yeah. different and i believe um that uh, one of those capsules has a new name it's true um and i, w- I would say for for the liftoff audience we forgive you thank you so i know it's been keeping you up at night capsules there are lots of them there used to only be like the capsule and now there's there's so many different there's there's just there's spacex has got their capsules yep and uh they're a dime a dozen and boeing's got capsules and lockheed martin's got capsules there's capsules everywhere is what i'm saying falling out all over the place i miss the space shuttle a little bit when i (laughs) start getting confused about capsules Wow, we should circle back to that. Okay. Uh, so, so Boeing has has they call their capsule the CST one hundred. Good name. It's uh, <laughs> it's named by an engineer, um, and now it's been named by the marketing people. That's how this works, I think. Uh-huh. Please email Jason about those comments I just made. Uh, and it's called the uh, the Starliner. 
Hi, this is Stephen Hackett. I'd like to apologize for what I just said. Wait a second, I'm not even... It's the Starliner, so it's no longer the CST-100, which was super catchy and had a hyphen in it. (laughs) It is instead the Starliner, because it is a cruise ship that's going to take us to far-off solar systems, right? It's more like the low-Earth orbit liner. (laughs) But it's not as catchy, and you can't put it on a patch. No. No No matter what logo you have, the worm logo or the... Or the meatball, it, it you know it doesn't fit. Low Earth liner doesn't fit. So yeah, so it's got a name. This is the uh, we talked about this in, in previous shows. You know, part of this is getting the public excited and marketing and all that. And you need yeah. to have catchy names. And CST one hundred isn't going to do it's it at catchy. some point. Just like the, just like you know the Orion capsule that I mixed up earlier is you know at least it's got a name. It's right. a, a name is a handle. It's a thing you can really hold on to when you're understanding something. And and uh, so now we know the Starliner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had a big uh, press event. They na- they uh, announced the name. They teased the name actually when I was at the SpaceX launch in one of the press conferences. Some uh, the the uh, he was the engineer or the project manager for the um, outfitting the CST one hundred with the commercial crew like interior. He was there. Nice guy. I talked to him. He was like, "Yeah, we got the name. We're gonna share it this fall." And um, and they also talk about how they're using. Um, one of the old space shuttle processing hangars. Hmm. Um, so at at the Cape, they have all of these facilities that NASA used to use, and NASA's not using all of them anymore. Yeah, and so I, they've they've. Uh, um, when I was there, I, I I that was one of the things that we really noticed when we went through there because it was the last shuttle mission. Is mm-hmm. that so many people already were like, well, this is my last, you know, I, I'm already looking for another job. Right. I don't oh, know gosh. what we're going to do. We're, we're taking, we're, you know, we're our, now all we're left in this area is we're just taking everything apart because yeah. we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this is good because these are, these are uh, spaces and presumably like jobs that are, uh, you C- know, coming back are coming area. back because this is one of the commercial crew uh, vehicles. Yeah, so there's a, there's a picture of it on this press release site, and they've they've done a really uh, nice uh, mural on the side of the building with their capsule with uh, orbiting the Earth below. Um, but what's funny is that, so all of these um, cargo processing facilities they basically would roll the shuttle in. So on their doors, they all have a giant cutout mm-hmm. for the tail of the shuttle yeah, yeah. to go through. And they left it in. It's like, why didn't you patch that hole in the side of your building? But it's <laughs> it's sort of a, I like it as a nerd, like, oh yeah, they used to park the shuttle in there. And then I'm sad about the shuttle, but then I'm excited yeah. about the Starliner. It's all very conflicting for, for me. For people who don't know, and there are probably some out there, they're the, they're the people who are going to correct me because I got it wrong, but there are also people who just uh, don't know this stuff. Commercial Crew is the program where NASA has decided, uh, in the absence of the space shuttle, that uh, basically manned space flight is going to have two uh, directions for NASA. And one of them is really kind of out there future missions, stuff that is... Uh, deeply exploratory and that's what the orion capsule that i got wrong earlier was uh is meant for it's it's for you go to the mars you go to the moon you know you go you go places that is a traditional like a spacecraft being built by a contractor but it's being built for nasa it's nasa's capsule right commercial crew is not that commercial crew is uh, this program that NASA put together where they're basically paying, instead of paying just Russia to launch things uh, and people up to the space station on the Soyuz, they want uh, they want commercial companies to provide launches and, and craft and be able to shuttle equipment and ultimately people to 
Earth orbit and to the International Space mm-hmm. Station. And the two companies that are basically doing this at this point are um, Boeing with the Starliner mm-hmm. and SpaceX with the Dragon. Yeah, and uh, SpaceX is a little bit ahead of, of Boeing at this point. Um, we got a couple video links in the show notes. SpaceX did their pad abort test earlier this year where basically... Um, these capsules have rockets at the top, so if something goes wrong, they can pull the capsule with the crew away from the stack, right? right? Um, and so basically, they just launched it with that, and it's a it's a sort of a fascinating video. It's also kind of hilarious because it doesn't go. I mean, it's not designed to go very far, right? So you expect this big launch, and it's like boop, and just kind of goes up. Um, but they did that this year. Boeing is, and in fact, Elon Musk said that when they're uh, the one that you saw. Um, the the rocket that that uh, that exploded mm-hmm. um, that if they had had a fully operational um, abort system on that they could have saved and it. there were and and there were um, yeah they they would have they would have saved the the capsule yeah um, <laughs> they just didn't so they, yeah so they didn't uh, so uh, Boeing is currently scheduled for February of 2017 for that. Um, SpaceX has also just this week shown off the interior of the Dragon capsule, mm-hmm. the commercial crew version. Um, I've got a, a link to an Engadget article. It, um, I kind of just want to hang out in there. It's like a really cool condo. Uh, it's very space age. Like, it's uh, a terrible adjective for it, but it's all like carbon fiber, all touch screens. Yeah. It's like if you put a Tesla into space. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I saw a, a mock-up of these when I was there four years ago. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. They've come a long way. I mean, this is the thing is that it's easy to look at the capsules and say, oh, geez, we know this is what, where we are with human space flight is uh, we're back in the 60s. We've completely, 50 years later, we're doing the same things. But when you look at what's, first off, these capsules are, are much larger than the capsules were in the 60s and 70s. And and the um, the technology and stuff that's inside them is totally, you know, totally different and modern and pretty cool, actually. So, they, they you know, capsule as a concept, yes, is being recycled from the 60s. But these capsules are, are uh, pretty amazing pieces of uh, engineering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all that's in there, it, commercial crew is definitely going to be something we keep an eye on, uh, especially for the American agency. Like you said, it's it's a big shift, and it's it's one that I think some people aren't a huge fan of the privatization of space. But I think it's a reality that with the budget the way it is, and with priorities the way they they are, they have to kind of divide and conquer. So I don't I don't blame them for that. I, I like the idea that NASA's main you know charter that what it's it's trying to do is the 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 bigger shot stuff the exploratory stuff and that you know that low earth orbit stuff should be commercialized and profitable and um you know and we want uh, we want nasa to to ideally spend that money with american companies and not be relying on just the russians to launch things into into space so that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to do yep. and uh i think that's a good uh, separation of uh, labor. Agreed. Um, and it's it's uh, it's a nice segue. We were going to talk a little bit about the International Space Station. There's been some news uh, there the last couple of weeks. Um, but we had some emails of people asking kind of like what this one-year mission is about. So you've got um, astronaut Scott Kelly is he's about, well, he's about maybe a third of the way through a year in space, a year on the space station. Um, it's not the longest um, single space flight, but it's it's sort of 
a a marked amount of time where they are studying long-term effects of microgravity on on humans. And what's special about Scott Kelly is that he has a twin. And so they can poke him, and they can poke his twin and see what happens. Ooh, creepy. When I was a kid, I read a uh, science fiction novel uh, that was about twins who were separated. It was so... uh, The science in it, I use the science uh, fiction term loosely it was <laughs> it was not really science-based because the whole idea was how do we communicate over long distances when we send a probe to the sun or venus or whatever and so they have twins and they separate them and the twins like communicate telepathically which is like i said stupid and has no basis in in reality so this is better than that it's because it's this real is, we're just drawing blood from twins instead it's, it's less exciting but it's uh, actually real it's fine. So Scott Kelly's brother Mark was also an astronaut. They've both mm-hmm. served with the agency for a long time, and it's um, I think it's an interesting approach. Obviously, it's unique because of NASA gets to see like a one to one ratio of things that are different, uh, which I think is is unique. Yeah, it's a unique mission. Um, but the space station's been been really busy, um, and I think it's always been busy. But I think in particular this mission has helped sort of the PR side of station where um, Scott Kelly is on Instagram. Oh yeah. He is on Twitter. He's doing uh, AMAs. He did a Q and a on Twitter and, and the president tweeted something at him and he answered. It was like, there's all this sort of like they're using social media and we've talked about this before, but I think the space station, the one year mission is really benefiting from it with this, with this particular time frame. Yeah, he tweeted a picture the other day of uh, of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I like woke up and there was a picture of, you know, the, from looking down from the International Space Station of where I live. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was no fog, which is, I think, why he took the picture, because that's very rare. It's usually just gray. Yeah, they can't see anything there, but it was beautiful. And he just does that all the time because he's, he's hanging out. He's got, he's got pictures ready to go. Yeah. And um, so... Kelly's taking part of the one-year mission. There's a couple links in the show notes about some of the the specific systems in the human body they're looking at. Mm-hmm. So you have things like um, like your vision changes in microgravity over time. And depending on how your vision is before you leave, your vision might get better or it might get worse. And what happens if you're gone for three years? You know, can they can they take what happens in a year and and sort of map that out over a longer mission? All sorts of interesting stuff that. Uh, is going to be important if we're going to go to Mars and, you know, be there and get there in one piece. Yeah. Not just blind people wandering around. Well, you can, you can check out hashtag year in space because they're being pretty diligent mm-hmm. about, about using that hashtag for all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, I was at the world science fiction convention last month and, uh, the Hugo award for best novel was presented by commander Kelly from the space station. Yeah, I mean, which, that's great. Which is pretty cool. They had to have him announce all the novels as the winner in the downlink yeah. so as not to give it away Yeah, and then choose the one that was the actual winner and play <laughs> that one. But it was it was a pretty cool thing to have a guy uh, up in space giving out yeah, pretty cool. science fiction awards. That was pretty awesome. We will have made it if we can get him to read the intro to Liftoff. Oh, there you go. Just, I, we, we will have made it if we can get any astronaut to read the intro to Liftoff. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be more than happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what we need is we need the guy who does the uh, three, two, one. We have liftoff, liftoff of the space shuttle, and be good. We need that guy, whoever that guy is, the DJ at NASA. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> his job is, but call uh, us. 
not not doing shows on a regular basis anymore. The old NASA DJ band is kind of no. I hope they get back together. Falling to hard times. Yeah. Um, so Kelly's also now the commander of the space station. They just had uh, a couple of turnovers in staff mm. um, up until as we record this. I think last night, nine people on station. Um, now they're back to six. Lonely. It's uh Nine seems like a lot of people. <laughs> that that is a lot of people. That's the max, right? Isn't I, that the max? I think so. Because it's based on how many. Yeah. Well, somebody will tell us if we're wrong. Um, it, the maximum is based on how many uh, capsules are at the at the International Space Station, so that they can evacuate. So you know you can't. If you only have uh, room to evacuate six, you can't have nine people. <laughs> it's not allowed. Yeah, that'd be um, so. Fully crewed at a six. Uh, I can't quickly scan this page for a max population. So nine, so nine is basically they come up with another capsule and three more enter and then three and then three go home. Right, which is what happened. Um, so he has TMA sixteen M. Another down. catchy name, yeah. Yeah, these names are just really rolling off the tongue today. Uh, they are uh, safe and sound. Uh, Expedition forty four um, uh, landed on Friday, and um, the, again. Commander Kelly had he was tw- Instagramming photos of the the capsule coming undocked and watching it reenter the atmosphere from his his vantage point. It's really a unique perspective. Um, but they're home. It's funny. So one of the uh, crew members uh, was in space for 168 days, but the other two were only there for 10. Yeah, there was real. There were the guys who went up just a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of them, one of the experiments they were looking at was a uh, a rover to use in in microgravity, and so they were test driving that. And um, this is really kind of short term work this time. So yeah, that's like a, a space shuttle stint, right? I mean, yeah. just just. Uh, but it's funny that we've got that. That's two. That's two capsules in ten days going up to mm-hmm. the International Space Station. That's quite a. Uh, that's traffic. That's yeah. interesting. I stayed up and uh, I stayed up and actually watched the launch a couple weeks ago and. Um, uh, it's always uh, it's always fun to watch those where you have they sort of patch in the the ground audio and like I don't speak any Russian so it's like I, I assume good things are happening because no one's <laughs> running around but um, it's always fun to watch that on NASA TV but um, so yeah so um, that makes Kelly the uh, commander of the station yep he's in charge now and uh, like I said he's about maybe a third of the way through um, and. Uh, it's a it's a fun it's a fun time. So, yeah. Now it's space. Now it's time for Pluto Corner. Oh, Pluto Corner! I think oh. it's going to be a recurring thing. Is I love the Pluto. You, you know do. that. So, so what's going on in, in Pluto Corner today? Well, when we talked in our zeroth episode, I think about the um, about the New Horizons mission to Pluto. One of the the things we talked about is how it's very far away, and that it had to do its flyby. Um, you know, pre-programmed to take a lot of a lot of pictures and measure a lot of data, write it to its hard drive, and then uh, very slowly, because it's far away, transmit all that data back to Earth. And we got a first taste. We got the the images that they prioritized, and then they said, you know, we're going to take the next month, and there's going to be a whole lot of data coming back that isn't pictures. And just this last week, the pictures um, have started to trickle back, and this is. I think they, you know, they're trying to fulfill everybody who wants data from these instruments and and give everybody their moment to shine. But the end result is that also they're, they're going to have new pictures essentially every week for the next 
few months at least. Mm-hmm. And so in the last week, we got some pretty uh, spectacular um, pictures. We'll put a couple links in the show notes. There's this um, jumbled terrain, chaotic terrain. Um, Alan Stern, the the uh, lead investigator, I think, for New Horizons, said, if an artist had painted this Pluto before our flyby, I probably would have called it over the top. But that's what's actually there, that there's this crazy jumbled terrain, uh, maybe huge blocks of ice, things that look like dunes. Um, there, are pictures of, there are more pictures of Pluto's atmosphere. And uh, one of the really interesting things, and these are largely black and white at this point, but um, computer nerds out there will know that you can take high resolution and low resolution images, and then you can also take highly compressed images. You can save a JPEG at 10%, and it's going to be very small compared to a full quality Mm -hmm. JPEG. So some of the images that are coming back are actually images we've seen before, but they they were small lossy versions and now we're getting the full res or we're getting lossless versions Mm -hmm. of some of these and so the details are spectacular so some of these pluto shots these black and white pluto shots the details on the uh on the ridges of the craters and the boundaries between the light terrain and the dark terrain are just so detailed um, that it's pretty, it's pretty uh, breathtaking. And we knew these pictures were there, and we've seen a few examples of them, but um, they're just going to keep coming. And, uh, and the geologists, you know how much I love geology, uh, are, are having a field day. Because some of this stuff, you know, it, it, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense, and some of it, based on what we know about Pluto, but a lot of it is also reminiscent of features on other planets and other moons in the solar system. And that gives the investigators some clues about what might be going on there and trying to understand why Pluto is uh, potentially uh, much more active or has been active much more recently than we uh, kind of assumed. We kind of thought it was cold and not much was going on. Right. But it seems like that's not, you know, that's not entirely the case. We, we got higher resolution pictures of, uh, of Sharon, the, the primary moon of Pluto, um, and some, some of those uh, clearer versions of those back shots where yeah. it's, it's eclipsing the sun and the sun is illuminating the atmosphere and you can actually see sort of the layers in the atmosphere. Yeah, I think, I think that's my favorite one. There's one kind of side by side and uh, one image is sort of tweaked a little bit so you can see the different um, sort of layers of the atmosphere almost. And it's just really this beautiful halo around a world that I think a lot of people, a lot of the scientists assumed was kind of just, out there, frozen, spinning around really far away. Yeah, and frozen ice ball. And it's a, it's, it is a frozen ice ball, frozen nitrogen ice ball. Yeah. But it, there's this vibrancy to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, these pictures are just stunning. You've got to go check them out in the show notes. Um, there's one in particular where it's uh, these, where this nitrogen ice comes up against what they think is rock, kind of a shore. And if you didn't know it was nitrogen ice, you would think that it's fluid the way that it, that it swirls around and, and interacts is just. Really yeah, gorgeous. and 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 so it must it may very well be fluid where the where the nitrogen ice is melting mm-hmm. in for some reason based on some process into something that at least flows a little bit more like a liquid. So yeah. then you know it sort of melts into liquid nitrogen for a little while or in certain places. Or that may not be the process that we're seeing at all. Certainly, it looks like uh, you know ice flow with some water in it that we would think of on Earth, but it's, at these dramatically yeah. colder temperatures. Like the moon, still not a beach vacation for your family. No, I wouldn't recommend it, but beautiful to look at. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, so you can find uh, find those and everything else in our show notes this week. I think that's uh, I think that's all we got. 
Yeah, we will. Um, people could let us know. I think if there are you already been letting us know topics you want us to cover. Yeah, a in bunch fu- of emails in future in. weeks, uh, and we appreciate that. We you know we're doing this fortnightly, and uh, space is big, so we got a lot to cover. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're making notes, and we appreciate that. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention is that we are also going to try to have some guests on, uh, and I hope we have a a guest. Uh, ne- in fact, next time. Um, we're going to try to talk to some interesting people who work in this field or are or or who cover it and write about it and 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 we'll see. I'm 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 working my connections, so we'll yeah. see if we get some interesting people on as guests because we don't want every episode to just be us two talking. We'd like Agreed. to get some other voices in here, and so we're working on that too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you like I said, you can you can leave us feedback. You can send us an email from the website. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. Jason is at jsnell. I'm at ISMH. You can follow the show at Liftoff Podcast and uh, comment there. We've had a lot of good conversations and people sending stuff in, which we uh, which we appreciate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's about it. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure doing this in person. Indeed. Across, not in space, but but in person. In person. All right. See All you, right. See you later, Jason. See you later, Stephen. Thanks, everybody.